This is A Word in Season with Doug Stringer and Friends, a podcast ministry of Somebody Cares America, being a tangible expression of Christ in a hurting world. Welcome to another Word in Season with Doug Stringer and Friends. Today I have the pleasure of introducing someone to you that I believe truly epitomizes servant leadership. And though he has a slew of qualifications and credentials from education to seminary training to pastoring, working and serving ministries locally, nationally, internationally, he truly understands the power of posture. In fact, he walks in great humility and yet a confidence that comes in the Lord. I'm also blessed that he's my friend and someone who I benefited from who has come to serve our ministry for many years through our local office in Houston, Texas, to serving with us in prayer initiatives all over the country and around the world, as well as serving with us in various disaster relief response, as well as leadership training, and the list goes on and on. We truly are blessed by his friendship. Rick Torreson is also a growth catalyst. He's the executive director with the John Maxwell team. He's a founder and director of the One Pearland, and he's also founder president of Right Now Leadership, LLC. He has been the international coordinator for prayer at Somebody Cares America and Somebody Cares International and served with us for many, many years. Rick also has a weekly podcast called 321 Grow. It's a faith and business podcast for everyday leaders and those who are choosing to live their lives out loud in community together. I know that you'll find today as you listen to Rick that though he has a plethora of credentials and a bio that I could read to you, The thing you'll find about him is that he believes that everything he does and all the accomplishments in his life are based on prayer and presence. More than institutional Christianity or institutions in life, there is a need for the incarnational presence of God. So today, Rick's going to be sharing with us about building the house of prayer. But the reason I believe that you'll enjoy what he has to say is not just about the logistics of how to have a house of prayer, but you'll hear about one who truly has become a house of prayer himself. Rick, thank you so much for being with us today. And please just share with us from your heart and the things that God's put on your heart today. Well, my brother, I'm excited to finally be on this podcast. I've been begging to get on it for, gosh, since you started. I had to pay Cassie to to be able to let me have some time with you. So, man, thanks so much. (laughs) Man, I'm, I'm just kidding, man. God bless you. I'm excited to be on the Word in Season podcast. You know, I've been so blessed to be your friend and to call you my friend and to to be able to sit by your side and to walk with you and to learn from you and to come alongside you over the last 10, 11 years, really, in a pretty intimate way. It's been an amazing run, and I'm really thankful. Word in Season, right? It's, It's so interesting. Your life has been about a Word in Season. If any of you guys have read the books that Doug's done, you, you know this to be true. The books he wrote 20, 25 years ago are as relevant, if not more relevant today than they, than they ever have been. They are more word in season today than they were when he wrote them. It's amazing and it's uncanny how we can go back and look at things and, and as we're engaging on a city and a state and a national and global level, especially in the prayer movement and, and with governments and leaders, uh, in, in the areas of compassion and, and serving people, right? Loving people, all people, right? Because that's what it's about. You know, you always say it, right, Doug? The kingdom of God's built on relationships. 
And, uh, and it's so true. It, it really is. That's the, the greatest equity that we have as somebody cares is, is our relationships. What's the scripture? Silver and gold, we have none. Right, Doug? Now we're working on that. But the reality is, and I don't know if all your listeners understand that or not, this, this idea of our greatest asset or our greatest resource that we have isn't finances. We don't have warehouses full of supplies. For all of you who have been a part of our disaster relief, um, we, we have a staff of three people, and a couple of those are part-time and, and a volunteer, and, and we have a global outreach and impact on people's lives because our, our greatest resource is people like you guys that are listening to this podcast. It's, it's the relationships. That's the greatest equity we have is people. Um, and when people come together with a right heart and in a humble spirit, uh, we can, in Christ as the head and the leader of that, man, there's nothing we can't accomplish or can't do. There's no need we can't meet and no problem we can't solve when Christ is the head of his body, the ecclesia, uh, and we come together without agendas, right, without uh, our own platforms, without our names, right? There's nothing that God can't do. And and that's what I love about working with you, my friend, is that's what this ministry has been about from the very beginning. So thank you for having me. My, my name, for those of you guys that missed it, my name is Rick Torson. I am a servant, a lover of God, a husband, a father. I love to hear Doug introduce me because I never know what he's going to say, right? I think he struggles sometimes trying to figure out how do I introduce Rick? You know, I, I'm involved in so many different things and serve in so many different areas and, and life has changed over the years. I've started several ministries. I've pastored churches. I have a, a leadership development and coaching business now. And and so I love hearing Doug kind of describe who I am and what I do because that helps me figure it out and uh, make sure that I'm on the right track. And so I just want to share really quickly, if I could, before I jump into the, the meat of this, really what I want to share with you guys about is this idea of building the house of prayer. A word in season, right? That word in season is is the prayer movement is the preparation of the earth for the return of a king. Uh, That's the word in season. That's always been the word in season. That's what the church has been about um, since Christ left, is the preparation of Christ's return. We are are those modern-day John the Baptist, right, Uh, who are crying out this unending cry in prayer and worship until Christ comes again in, in final consummation. I mean, that's, that gets me excited, right? Because that's what, that's what this is all about. Is it about evangelism? Absolutely. Is it about compassion and outreach? Absolutely. Is it about the widow and the orphan and justice? Absolutely. But what is all of that about? <laughs> Man, all that about is the preparation of the earth for the return of a king. And we get to be a part of that. And, and Doug Stringer, there's no better example of what it looks like to walk in humility, service, outreach, compassion, um, to, to the world than to be a part of this relationship with you and Somebody Cares America, Somebody Cares International, and all the amazing relationships that have been built and continue to this day. And so I, I really want to share some of that foundational preparation kind of message really all around prayer and, and share what I've learned over the years. Um, but to do that, I need to back up and share a little bit about the story of how Doug and I Uh, came to be together, right? I chased a girl to Texas over 30 years ago. I wasn't saved, never been in the church, and uh, caught her. We've been married 29 years, two amazing 
children. They're both adopted from birth. They've been with us. Great God stories, prayer stories and that. And it was through my wife and her family that I got saved and came to know Christ in the Methodist Church in Pasadena, Texas, and felt a immediately calling to full-time ministry, to full-time engagement. And I didn't know what that looked like and didn't know how to do that. And, you know, in the Methodist world, it's, it's about getting your, your master's and going to school and getting appointed and becoming a part of that system. And so I went through all that process. But in that process, I, I really wasn't a Methodist at heart. I, I wasn't saved because of some Methodist theology or even understanding the Methodist Church of the Doctrine. I was saved from as a result of the praying saints, the praying blue hairs in our church, a praying future wife and a family, right, that, that loved me. Their prayer was love. Their prayer was compassion. Their prayer was, was serving me, this lost soul, into the kingdom of God. And so it was, it was so powerful and, and such an amazing transformation that, that these ladies in the church, I call them the blue hairs because they would get together and, and go to the beauty shop and get their hair done and come back and it had this blue tint, this blue color to it. But they were the ones that first introduced me to the love of Christ and to relationship because when I moved down here from Illinois, from Indiana, I had nothing. Everything I had fit in a little Cavalier without air conditioning. And I moved in the apartments across the street from this church. I didn't even know it was the church that my wife and her family went to. And, and they helped me put furniture in there and baked food for me and loved me and served me. And I've never experienced that, that unconditional love and service without an expectation of anything in return and that was kind of the start of my journey into the kingdom of God but in that process I came down here as an educator a teacher and a coach but I felt like God was calling me into full-time ministry and so I pursued that avenue and and became a, a ordained pastor and a church planter and and all of that but what I wanted to tell you about that for you guys that are listening for all of you who are tuning into this podcast God kind of spoke something over my life before I really knew that the Holy Spirit spoke to us. There were these impressions, three things that, I, that were poured into me by the Holy Spirit before I really understood the Holy Spirit. And they were this, this. The first one was that the kingdom of God is built on relationships. This was long before I knew Doug. And, and so I, I didn't know that was kind of one of his mantras. That was the same thing God had told me. The kingdom of God is built on relationships. Um, and, and I'll give you this as a side really quickly. He unpacked that with me, said relationships take time. And the more time you spend in relationships, the more you see the good, the bad, and the ugly. And when you get to the ugly, we do one of two things. We love or we leave. And I remember the Spirit speaking to my heart. He's saying the church has done really good at leaving, but it's time for the church to love, to love through. And I thought, man, that's awesome. I'm about relationship. I don't know how to do that, but I'm in. The second thing I felt that the Spirit was telling me was that there is only one church with many expressions. And, and that made sense to me. I, I didn't get saved because it was a Methodist church or a certain theology or denomination. I got saved because people loved me, right? And, and so I didn't see denominations. I didn't even understand it. And so as I started pastoring early on in youth ministry, I would gather with a bunch of other denominations and we started uh, meeting together and calling the youth together and and so that was just an amazing journey because I believe there's only one church, right? With many expressions, but, but only one church. And the more we understand that, the stronger we become, right? That was the second thing. But the third thing really leads me into what I want to share with you guys. And, and thanks, Doug, for the opportunity to do this. The third thing I felt the Holy Spirit saying to me early on before I really understood everything was that I was to be about the unending presence of God. 
<laughs> just when I say that and remember that, I, I get chills again. Because I, I didn't understand it at the time. I got the first one. Relationship, yes. One church, yes. Unending presence of God, that sounded so cool. So awesome, right? So right. But... I didn't know what that meant. I, I didn't know how to do that. And in my context at that time, you know, I began to live out those three things. It looked like doing more and working harder and volunteering for more and be, going into full-time ministry and everything I do. Was, it was the doing of my faith that meant the unending presence of God. It was, well, I just have to work more and work harder and serve more and love more. And, and that would be the unending presence of God. I associated the unending presence of God with this idea of, of doing things in the kingdom of God. And, and you'll hear as I kind of share over the next few minutes, that really changed tremendously. So the next kind of phase in my journey was uh, this time of getting my degree. I went to Asbury Seminary, Wilmore, Kentucky. Uh, I had to get my degree and I'm up there. And so I'm, I'm pursuing my degree and my wife gets invited to a, a woman's conference in Kansas City, Missouri. And so she goes with a friend to this woman's conference, doesn't really know what to expect. We are not really people who are walking in the fullness and understanding of the Spirit of God. We're good evangelicals, but, but that was the extent of our understanding. And she went to this woman's conference with a good friend of hers in Kansas City, Missouri, to uh, Metro Christian Fellowship, and they had just started a prayer room. And, and she got wrecked. She totally got blown away by the message by the prayer, the worship, everything that was going on there. They had just launched the House of Prayer. And many of you know about the House of Prayer in Kansas City. This was when it first launched. It was six months, eight months into its first year of, of 24-7. And she knew what God had spoken over me, those three things. And she walked into the prayer room. If you remember those double-wide trailers, she walked into the prayer room and encountered this 24-7 prayer and worship. And immediately she thought of me and said, this has got to be what God was talking about. And so when she got home, she told me about it, and I got in my car within the next week, and I drove to Kansas City, Missouri, to Grandview, Missouri, pulled up into the trailer parking lot, walked into those trailers, and was undone. I didn't leave for three days. I, I just, I sat in that place, and if you guys remember it, if you've ever been there, it had this thick carpet, mushy carpet, and uh, I laid there on that carpet, uh, for three days basically just lost and weeping and asking the Lord and saying, Lord, what is this? And, and is this this unending presence? And is this what you're calling me to do? And is this what my life is to be about? Um, and uh, I got wrecked. I left that place and came home, finished seminary, left the Methodist church. It wasn't a bad thing. I just realized the calling that was on my life didn't have space within the Methodist church and I didn't want to continue down a road that I might cause some problems in later. So I came back into Houston, Texas, and we planted a church called The River. It's another amazing story. Uh, and we began to press into this relational church. And I kept thinking about this idea of the house of prayer and starting and building a house of prayer. And again, there's so many details, but Doug, thanks for letting me kind of share this with everybody. I my first real encounter with Doug, I knew him, was I had pursued people in Houston. Who was building the house of prayer? Who understood this? Who had been there? And I met two amazing people, Hank Marion and Randy Campbell. Man, 
amazing, amazing people in our city, prayer warriors, lovers of God, who had a passion to build this house of prayer as well. And we began to meet and, and see our hearts were united and connected. And we wanted to build this house of prayer in our parts of the city that would be connected all across the city, like small little fire pots all around Houston, connected in intercession and worship. Um, in prayer, you know, and so we started pressing in it, but we needed to see who else was involved in this. So Hank and Randy knew Doug from before and had great relationship with him. And so they called Doug and said, Doug, can we come to your place and can you help us mobilize people? We want to share a vision of a house of prayer network. And I remember Doug, I don't know if you remember this. You barely knew me. We'd met each other once or twice. We're sitting in the old offices. There's 10 or 15 around there and we're talking and you walk in a little bit later and you do what you normally do. You bless everybody, you hug everybody, you pray for everybody. And you stopped. And I didn't even know you really knew me. And you called me out. You called me out by name. And you said, hey, I just want to say something to you, Rick. You And I don't remember the exact words, but you spoke life into my vision and my calling and my leadership and my position. You instantly gave me credibility in a room of a lot of people I didn't even know. Whether I deserved it or not, or was worthy of it or not, you spoke life over me. And you prayed over me. And that was that beginning fire, that beginning catalyst that caused us, Hank and Randy and I, to just start pressing in and calling the city to prayer and, and beginning to call weekends of prayer and burns and the whole thing. It was amazing. I'm going to fast forward again, guys, because I, I just with the time you know that we've got, I want to be able to get to the meat of really what I want to share with you. This word in season, right? So we're building the house of prayer. I'm in Pearland, Texas, and, and I'm, I've got a space now. We've got a a uh, warehouse that we turned into a, a prayer house and we are building the prayer movement we've got teams and and we are pressing in we've got 20 to 25 30 hours a week in prayer and worship in the model of kansas city and man we are we're in it we're deep sometimes it was just me in the prayer room right sometimes it was just a small team of us it didn't matter you know we just it was me and god before the throne and unending and you know, filling the bowls of heaven, and we had this desire that said, "Man, maybe, maybe this prayer is going to be what's going to tip that bowl in heaven and pour out that intercession and the presence and the power of God across the land." And so we were motivated to just keep pressing in. But you know, if you've ever been a part of the prayer movement in that way, that it can get old and hard, and it, it can be labor and. You know, the enemy can come and start challenging your thoughts and your motivation and your why. And, and I remember after a prayer set, it was a, it was a good prayer set. Uh, it was like any other prayer set. It was in the middle of the evening and we got done and we debriefed. The team left and I stayed in the prayer room after it. And I just, something didn't feel right. Something just wasn't clicking, right? It just wasn't, something didn't feel right. And I'm asking the Lord, what's going on? What is, what is this feeling? What are we missing? Why have we hit the ceiling? Why can't we grow? Why can't we attract more people? And I'll remember it like it was yesterday. The Lord said, you have created an idol of the house of prayer. And I thought, whoa, what does that mean? And I'm on my face at this point, by myself, in the prayer room. No one's around. And he said, you created an idol of the house of prayer. And I said, but Lord, this is what you called me to. And I'm kind of wrestling with God, trying to understand it. And he said to me, you missed it. When I said that you were to be about the unending presence of me, I wasn't calling you to build a, an institutional prayer room, the house of prayer, this, this institution, this system. And I was calling you to be a house of prayer. <laughs> Man, and, and I got overwhelmed. 
It wasn't that the House of Prayer, what we were building, was wrong, but we built it, the corporate expression, without the personal intimacy. Without first personally being a House of Prayer, we are not capable of sustaining the corporate House of Prayer. I hope you hear me. And so it wasn't long after that that I kind of started to shut everything down and we backed off on everything and we kind of put a mandate out and said, we're going to learn what it means to first be a personal house of prayer before we worry about building this corporate house of prayer. Because if I can't be a house of prayer, if I can't be the dwelling place of God, a walking, talking, living, breathing example of the love, compassion, mercy, kindness, and presence of our King, then what good does it do to build a space with a bunch of empty people calling on a holy God? And so it shifted everything in me. I just, as I'm remembering all of this, I just, it started a journey where I started realizing that the kingdom of God, prayer is first personal before it's corporate. I hope you hear me. You know, when, when Doug got invited and we got invited to start doing the responses, right? And, and the governors called us to ask us to do these prayer gatherings across the nation. Uh, they were amazing times. The first one was in Houston and we partnered with the Kansas City House of Prayer with, with uh, Governor Rick Perry and some amazing people. And, and we had an amazing gathering. I won't go into the details for, for time, but I'm sure Doug's talked about it on other podcasts. But our one thing that we said before we committed to doing it from a governmental call to prayer and gathering the body said, this can't be about a man. It can't be about a personal agenda. It's not a meeting or a program. There can't be any names. There can't be any uh, selling of goods. It has to be about one thing, the presence and worship of Almighty God. We can get into that. We can call people to that as long as there's no platforms or pontificating, no preachers preaching, right? It had to be about one pure thing. The ecclesia, the, the one church that God put on my heart coming together with one voice and one heart and one passion, with one spirit and crying out and declaring the goodness of our God and honoring and recognizing Him as a family. And if they could agree to that, we were like, we are all in. And man, they did and we did. And the next five to seven years was amazing. And what we realized in that is we built a structure and a system and the process of what a day of prayer and fasting looked like. We realized that we had to spend the first part of the day in a personal petitioning, in a personal posture of prayer that leads to the power of God. It's the knee power, the face power, the tear power, the crying out that, of repentance before God and saying, it is I, Lord, me and my fathers, me and your church, your children, we are the reason that you are waiting and hesitating to come back again. Lord, forgive us for our division and our disunity. And we began to cry out and realize that it was first personal. We had to call people to a first, a personal place of repentance and turning before we could call the church to a corporate response. The church, it's, it's made up of sons and daughters, of people. And so it was a powerful journey. And I guess what I'm saying to you in a, in a nutshell to my friends that you guys that are listening to this and and thank you again Doug Stringer for creating space for this this message and this heart and this passion what's the word in season first be a house of prayer before you build the house of prayer it's about me before it can be about we God never bypasses the individual to get to the group we can cry out and hold hands as a group and we can cry out to the Lord and in agreement say, come Lord. And as he gets closer and he draws near, 
He doesn't look at a corporate heart. He looks at the individual hearts because he weeps and, he's, and he, he longs for the individuals that are holding hands in that circle to, to come before him, not in perfection, but to understand we are being perfected in his love and to be vulnerable and transparent and real. And so he touches the hearts of the individuals in that group. It's that idea of harmonious agreement isn't that we're agreeing on the words that we're saying. It's that we're agreeing that there would be no discord or disharmony amongst us as we become as we come before God. So I'm sorry, I've gotten a little passionate. This is just so, so on my heart and has never left me no matter what I do. And so I've committed my life to this posture of prayer that is all about a position before a king that begins with humility and repentance. Uh, is this place of passion and desire, God, that it's not about me. We've got to get ourselves off the throne. And when we do that personally, and we grab hands corporately, look out. Look out. It's, it's done, right? It's done. Because when God draws near and He sees a corporate cry of a repentant, humble heart before Him, He can give us all that He desires to give us and do all that He desires to do through us. I mean, I've loved to see what's happening with the prayer movement and the missions movement and the teaching movement and all of the fivefold, right, coming together. They've been isolated silos, but in this hour, this word in season, we are not separate silos. We are one. We are one, and it all begins with this posture and position of prayer. And prayer isn't something we do first. Prayer is who we are. I learned that from Doug, and I learned that from his passion and his heart, that no matter what we did in outreach and compassion and service and disaster response, it all began in that place of prayer and intercession and repentance and crying out. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. And all the creatures and all those around the throne cast down their crowns and they bowed before God and they cried out, Holy, holy, holy. We are not God. We are not King. We are not Lord. You are. And we removed ourselves from the throne. And when we do, God can take His rightful place. And when He takes His rightful place, look at Him. Look at Him. It's powerful, amazing, wonderful thing. So, so let me just let me just wrap this up and let me say, Doug, thank you again. Can't say it enough. Thanks for our friendship for the years that we've been able to spend together. I didn't really finish the story, but part of my story was I had to step away from ministry for a while because my son was going through a hard time. And when I did, the Lord said, go sit at Doug's table. About 10 years ago, I showed up in his conference room table and I didn't ask him for anything. I didn't want anything. I just said, the Lord said, come sit here and serve you in whatever capacity I can. And that began a wild ride, my friend. A wild ride. Through that, I, I got introduced to and began serving a guy named George Otis and got to travel the world with him in the transformations movement to see what a community looks like that humbles itself as one church together and invites the Lord to come and have his way, what he will do in communities. I got to see what God would wanted to do over Houston and then through the response movement we got to see what God would do when the church comes together at the call, a pure call of a government leader um, and the church responds in humility to do one thing to praise him and worship him and call out to God Man, I loved it Doug when we did that we would not allow anyone to go up there and introduce themselves, there were no names on the screens, you never introduced yourself in all the responses, you never got up to say hi I'm Doug Stringer, we never did that and we told everybody else you're not going to introduce yourself 
There's only one name that's going to be lifted up and talked about, and that's Jesus. Man, we need more of that. We, we need more of that. So if I can encourage you guys today that are listening to this podcast, the Word and Season, continue to develop yourself and to grow yourself into that house of prayer. Don't stop what you're doing. Be obedient to the calling and the and the, the desire and passion of the Lord for your life. But remember, it's personal before it's corporate. He's after you before He's after us. So whatever that looks like for you, whatever you need to do to return once again to that place of presence and intimacy, I encourage you to seek that out and to do that. Don't get lost in the doing of ministry. Prayer isn't something we do. Prayer is something not even something. Prayer is who we are. Our faith, church, Christianity isn't what we do. It's who we are. And it's it's discovered in all that we do. It's seen in all that we do. But prayer is not first an activity. Prayer is first a posture. So Doug, thank you so much for the opportunity to serve, to be on this podcast, to, to be able to continue to walk with you and, and to learn from you and to partner with you. I believe that our best days are in front of us, and I believe there's a culmination of all of these prophetic words and all of the passions and streams coming together into one mighty river. That's why he gave me the name, the river for the church we started out of Ezekiel. One source, and everything it touched, it brought to life. That's really what this ministry has been about and why I'm so passionate about serving you and walking with you. And so I thank you, my friend. Keep pressing in, keep living into it, keep digging in, keep calling us higher, keep showing us the way um, as you follow Jesus and we follow Jesus and we follow you and we go together, we're going to continue to see amazing things. So anyways, I could keep going. I probably already exceeded my time. So Cassie, thanks for inviting me and helping me to put this together um, to be a part of this. And Doug Stringer, I love you and I'm looking forward to what the next... uh, next year's look like and to see all that God's going to do in and through you and and the ministry in us. So until next time, God bless you, my friend, and, and thank you for letting me be a part. Rick, thank you so much for taking time out of, I know, a very, very hectic and busy schedule, especially all the things you have on your plate right now. And also, I want to just correct you on something, though, that you had mentioned we have three staff. We actually have seven plus staff, but that's some part-time, some full-time, some contract. And of course, we have a whole lot more all over that are volunteers and those who serve in various capacities. But the, the main focus is correct, that we're all trying to do what we can to represent Christ in very tangible and real ways. And thank you for doing that as well with us. You truly epitomize servant leadership and have been a, a true friend that sticks closer than a brother. I want to also thank everyone who faithfully listened to A Word in Season with Doug Stringer and friends and all of our new listeners. And remember this, that while men reach for thrones to build their own kingdoms, Jesus reached for a towel to wash men's feet. Proverbs 14.25 says that a true witness rescues lives. Other translations say a true witness rescues lives or saves souls. Let us all be those who love God and love people and represent Christ in a very tangible way. And as always, if you need prayer or know someone who needs prayer, please email us at prayer at somebodycares.org. That's prayer at somebodycares.org. Or you can also email us at somebodycares at somebodycares.org. In fact, let us know if there's any topics you would like us to talk about on A Word in Season with Doug Stringer and Friends. Also, you can join our prayer team by going to somebodycares.org 
and put your email where you see sign up for email updates. It will direct you to a page that has the option to receive prayer ministry updates as part of our prayer team. We believe that prayer is a place